Isaac Shade from the uh, podcast Locked on Tar Heels. And Isaac, first of all, good morning. Thanks for your time. Hey, not too bad for a team that was the eighth best team in the East. You know, not not too bad at all. Just the fourth ever eighth seed in the modern tournament era to make the championship game. And, and, and for Hubert Davis, am I correct in saying that he is just the fourth coach to take his team to the national championship game in his first year? Uh, actually, he he was in terms of making it to the final four. He's the first ever coach wow. to get to the championship game in his first full year. So even more historic, yes. When you look at this game coming up tonight, how hard is it going to be for uh, the Tar Heels to turn the page from that emotional game uh, on Saturday night? Oh, absolutely. That is the biggest key to this game. Can Carolina take what was probably, not probably, what was the most emotionally, physically, and mentally draining game of their entire season and less than 48 hours switch back into go mode against a num- another Big 12 number one seed like they already faced in the Baylor Bears down there in Waco. And, boy, that is a monumental task. Coach Davis talked to us in, in media availability over and over yesterday that his team was ready. And if there's one thing I've learned this season from Coach Davis, it's to doubt him at your own peril uh, because what he has told us has proven true over and over. And so until we see otherwise tonight, I have no reason to believe that he does not have his team focused and ready. Isaac, is Armando Baycott at 100% coming into tonight? And also going back, how impressive was that to see Coach K address him uh, in the postgame and let him know that he was the guy he voted for for ACC Player of the Year? Yeah, um, no, he will not be 100% tonight. Um, yesterday, he uh, he was moving about somewhat gingerly, um, and that, that was true, obviously, Saturday night right after the game as well. We, we had the chance to be back by the locker rooms, and um, but he is adamant that he is playing. Coach Davis said that his x-rays were negative. He said the medical staff was pleased with where the swelling was at. And Baycott himself uh, pretty much verbatim said, you would have to saw off my leg for me to not play. Now, how effective and efficient will he be going against David McCormick? We will have to see. For example, he uh, missed a rebound he would normally get against Duke that led to a Duke go-ahead three in the closing seconds of uh, in the closing minute of the game on Saturday night. And so that's a, that's a big-time question mark to watch right after that hangover. Now, as to Coach K addressing that, I mean, there's no greater respect than your greatest rival, your greatest competitor, to say, listen, I thought you were the best player in our league this year, and that is a man who has seen the world's best talent up close and personal, coaching USA Basketball, coaching Duke. What a what an honor, what a, what a kind gesture from that man. Uh, man, I'm going to get you to speculate here, but uh, what, where, if, if Baycott is 75%, 75%, Duke and North Carolina uh, – I'm sorry, not Duke, but uh, North Carolina uh, wins the game or doesn't win the game at, at 75%? I would say at 75%, yes, because um, I, I've been thinking about it and compared to Carolina's Joel Berry, who suffered a very similar issue back in 2017 in their championship run. Um, with, with Baycott, he is a below-the-rim player, doesn't really need to get a ton of lift. He's great at, at positioning and getting himself ready for these rebounds. If, if he can be at 75%, I think that is enough. 
for him to draw the attention of Kansas and then kick out to these deadly shooters in Caleb Love, Brady Manick, and R.J. Davis. What does North Carolina have to do defensively tonight to win this ballgame? Great question. The The biggest thing there is, I've, I've been calling it all season, hashtag leaky lockdown. It's, it's Leaky Black, who is Carolina's wing defender, who can actually guard the one through four positions with his 6'8 length and speed. And he will undoubtedly be guarding Ochai Agbaji today. Uh, he, he was cagey about it yesterday, but kind of tongue-in-cheek said, but uh, I think we all know who I'll be guarding. And so that's the big question. Leaky Black is not that much of a scorer, although he did hit two threes against Duke. But his job always is to go shut out these biggest scores and erase them from the game. Agbaji averages just shy of 19 points a game. If Black can cut that even in half down to about 10 points, that's just as good as himself scoring 10 above his own average. And so that is the big matchup to watch tonight um, in this game to see if Carolina can do that. If Black can erase Agbaji, it puts his team in a great position to win. I feel like a lot of people would come out and score 14 points and call it a good night. But when you look at Brady Manick, to me, that was kind of a slow night offensively. But he did a good job on the defensive end of locking up Bancaro. How impressed have you been uh, about the whole game of Brady Manick and the development of his skill set as a whole? And how has he improved his stock as we look ahead towards the NBA draft? Yeah, uh, in, insanely impressive. It was clear from the get-go that, that Duke was going to attack Manic. In the last game at Cameron, Van Caro had been settling for mid-range stuff when he's clearly more athletic than Manic. And so, he, like, right out of the gate, first two possessions, just attacked downhill to get to the rim. But Manic, while maybe less athletic, is a savvy and wily veteran who was able to stay with him and cause him to miss two contested difficult shots right out of the gate, and that set the tone. Manic's defensive presence has been more than admirable. You know, you worry about a top three draft pick and having to guard him. But uh, Bancaro, yes, scored 20 points, but it took 17 shots to get to it. That's what you want to see uh, from, from what you're defending. And then on the flip side, I mean, he's just unconscious on the offensive side of the court, um, firing at will. He, he basically is – Anytime he has any small amount of separation is, is pulling that quick trigger. That is a, a freedom that Coach Davis has given him a, a little bit different than he had at Oklahoma. And then in terms of that game on Saturday, you talked about just, just 14 points, and you're spot on. That, that is below what Manic has been doing. Part of it, he, he told me after the game that Duke was really doing a good job of face guarding him in the first half. He, he got just that one bucket right at the end. But then in the second half, he was able to find more space. And so I think a lot of that will depend on how Kansas guards him tonight. I'm, I'm looking for it to be a matchup with Jalen Wilson is, is my proposed matchup there. And Manic does have a height advantage, but Wilson, similar to Bankero, is going to have a speed advantage. And so we're going to be looking at that on both sides of the court. Can Manic get his shot off more quickly? Can he get to the rim better? And can he stop Wilson? Who would Hubert Davis turn to if uh, if Baycott does struggle with McCormick? <laughs> Manic. They'll just have to go small ball five and either move Puff Johnson into the lineup and as the three and Leaky Black as the four, or uh, perhaps bring in Dontrez Styles for a couple spot minutes, who usually gets in first half minutes, but nothing in the second half. So really, it, it's not replacing Baycott. It's just a lineup uh, change. 
Do you think North Carolina pulls out and, and tries to defend the three a little bit tighter tonight? I think they're going to have to, but one of the staples that they have taken on down the stretch of this season is guarding drives to the rim better. Both R.J. Davis and Caleb Love as the backcourt players have, have done a great job with that, as has Leaky Black on the wing. And so their, their three-point defense in the NCAA tournament has been phenomenal. And so I, I would imagine they don't take much more of an extra effort. Obviously, they, they have to pay attention to it. But what they've been doing has already been working. And, and what they'll really need to be dialed in on is stopping Kansas's drives. Isaac, I think rightfully so, all eyes have been on Coach K this year. And, and obviously his journey. But at the end of the day, it's Roy Williams with the storybook ending. What are your thoughts on this? And, I mean, is he going to come out like one of those early 2000s half-and-half jerseys, North Carolina, Kansas? What's he going to rock tonight? <laughs> you're, you're absolutely right. This is poetic justice for the Carolina family. I talked to so many people after the game Saturday and then again yesterday who were just elated about that because you think about it. Coach K has taken this entire victory lap all season long and now what's supposed to be his coronation tonight turns into this Roy Williams celebration it's Roy Williams two teams going off against one another and so the victory lap that coach Williams never wanted or asked for has come to fruition it's it's the basketball gods bringing about some hilarious karma but when you look at the game between these two programs yes Carolina Duke was a historic matchup for one reason just because of the rivalry but you think about this matchup, this is literally getting back to the roots of the beginning of basketball itself from, from coach Dean Smith, the legendary Carolina coach, who was also his alma mater is Kansas. And there he played for fog Allen who played for James Naismith, the inventor of the game. And so you see all those roots and then coach Hubert Davis played for coach Smith. So now the very man that is coaching North Carolina traces his roots back to that as well. And so you just love to see yet another historic battle for a completely different reason. And in, in terms of what Roy's wearing tonight, I remember in the 08 Final Four after Carolina lost to Kansas, he wore that huge Jayhawk on a sticker on his chest. And tonight his, his heart might have a little bit of divided loyalty, but, but when you think back to the history of who he is, North Carolina's his alma mater. North Carolina's where he came back to, and he has a deep, deep lasting affinity for Kansas, but it's the school that's sandwiched in between. And so tonight he will be all in on the Tar Heels on Saturday. It, it was, it was Carolina royalty sitting together. It was Roy Williams with Antoine Jameson behind him with Tyler Hansborough behind him. And I expect to see nothing different tonight. Isaac, man, we appreciate it. Uh, what, uh, what do you got uh, this morning on the, uh, on the podcast? Yeah, this morning, well, basically everything we've talked about, recapping the Duke game, I, I talked some about uh, just some of the experience of the environment of Saturday. I, I just so happened to position myself right by the tunnel. Coach K walked right by me on his way out. Coach Davis walked right by me on his way out. I just so happened to get to see Coach K and Mickey Krzyzewski riding off on a golf cart out. Hey, Isaac, we're, we're having a little technical problem. Uh, so uh, I'm so sorry about that. So you, you were saying you, you saw Coach K leaving? Yes, just saw him leaving. And so we talked we talk some about that as well as recapping the Duke game and looking ahead to the national championship. Sounds good. And, and how do we get it? 
on all podcast platforms, Locked on Tar Heels, and you can also find the video version on the Locked on Tar Heels YouTube channel. Hey, we appreciate it, Isaac, as always. Thanks so much, and uh, have fun tonight. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you guys having me, as always. Talk to you soon. That's Isaac Shade from the uh, podcast Locked on Tar Heels.